Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. Good morning, Velocity Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys glad to be at church? Hey, let's put your hands together. Give glory to God if you're glad to be here this morning. I want to congratulate you for making it to the first Sunday of the year. Man, what a great decision that you made. So glad you would do that. You know, you can't make it to all of them if you don't make it to the first one. So you, uh, you got perfect church attendance. Give yourself a pat on the back for that. But yeah, that's awesome. Clap for yourself. But hey, I'm, I'm so pumped that you would be here. I love this time of year where everybody is prioritizing and reorganizing the things that matter in their life. And maybe that's what brought you to church today is the fact that you're saying, hey, I'm going to make some different decisions, going to reprioritize what's really important to me. And you decided to come here. And I just think that's the best decision that you could make. I believe God is going to speak to you today because you made that decision. And I have so much in my heart that I want to share with you. But before I get into our message, I want to just take a minute and talk about our above and beyond offering. We closed out 2018 from a position of strength and faith as we do every year, and we gathered around this theme, above and beyond, where we're believing that God would do above and beyond all we could ask or imagine, and he did just that. We demonstrated our faith by giving an offering, and I'm pumped to tell you that you gave over $90,000. Isn't that incredible? Now, I think, that's, I think that's amazing. I honestly do. And to put that in perspective, that's three times the amount we gave last year. Isn't that crazy? So it's great because it puts us in, in such a good position as we set out to do the things God's put in our heart to do with uh, our ministry in the Dominican Republic and our things in the city. And as we step out towards what we believe God is calling us to do by getting a permanent home here in Lawrence for our church and all of that's great. Of course, it's gonna take way more than that, but we're in such a good place to start. And more than the dollar amount though, what really impacts me is the faith that the dollar amount represents. Because I know there's so many of you who stretched, you sacrificed, you gave a significant gift, and you did it in, from a place of believing that God would do something in your life that you can't do for yourself. And one thing you should know is whenever you look at Scripture, Jesus, he would work miracles, and often he, you'd either see it demonstrated or he would say this. Before he'd work a miracle, he would say, according to your faith, be it unto you. And that's what I'm praying and believing God is going to do in your life in 2019, according to your faith not according to the amount you gave, but according to the faith that was tied to that amount you gave. Because it might've taken way more faith to give $100 for you than for somebody to give $1,000. But according to your faith, God is gonna do above and beyond what you can imagine or even ask this year. I really believe that. So I'm excited for it. And uh, I, I hope you're pumped about your future because when I think about all God wants to do in our church, and you recognize the church is not, a building. Church is not a theater. Church is the people of God coming together. And I think about all that God is going to do in our church this year. I can barely contain it. 
And, uh, you know, we've had so many people come check us out over the last several weeks. A ton of people at Christmas Eve, new people. I mean, we had to pull out chairs at Christmas Eve, and it, it was amazing. And perhaps that's you. Perhaps it's your first time here. I want to personally invite you to go to Growth Track today because Growth Track is really designed to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be. See, if you go, you'll discover what we're about as a church, and what we're about is taking you on a journey. Well, we're about that because that's what God is about. He wants to take you on a journey, a process of steps. And it begins with this step of knowing God in a personal, intimate, and powerful way. Having a relationship with him. I believe that's why some of you are here today. You're gonna start that journey by beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as you set out to do that, uh, what we're gonna talk about today is gonna help you in your journey with Jesus because we're beginning a brand new series called Fast Forward. And this is designed to help you reach all that God has put in your heart. But the way we're gonna do it is not in a way that you would think because when we think about starting a new year, all the plans and all the things we wanna achieve, all the things we wanna see happen, I, I don't think the problem is that we don't think things need to be different or that we don't see that we need to change or that we don't want to change. I think the problem is that we always start in the wrong place. I'll tell you what I mean. Think about it this way. When we begin a new year, all of us think of all the things we want to do, all of the new habits that we want to start. Am I right? Maybe you've done this, like, I want to start saving money. I, I want to start eating better. I want to start working out. I want to start reading my Bible more. I, I want to start all these different things. But I don't want to tell you in this series to start a new habit. I want to talk to you about the things that you need to stop. The things that you need to stop. And to do that, we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture found in Hebrews chapter 12. And this is going to be our theme for this series. We're going to look at two verses, and we're going to get these verses deep in our soul for the entirety of this series. I'm going to preach on this every week, just these two verses, because it's all about how God can do more when you do less. So I'm just going to choose less verses to preach on. And uh, except next week, next week we have a guest, Pastor Wayne Francis. I'm going to let him preach on whatever he wants, but you don't want to miss next week. Pastor Wayne Francis comes from New York, just outside of New York City. Pastor's a great church, authentic church. You're going to love him. And I want to encourage you to bring some people, bring some friends. It's going to change your life. But in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, let's look at it together. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, I forgot. I got this thing here. It's new. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Technology. Just give me grace if it messes up. All right. So it's my first time using it. Uh, everything that, and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, 
and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Isn't that amazing? Don't you get excited about that? Well, I want to use this verse to speak to you from this subject, and this is the title of my message if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, perhaps that should be your New Year's resolution is to start taking notes. Studies show people who take notes are more spiritual than those who don't, so just throw that out there. I don't know that that's true, but it sounds right to me. So the title of this message is Stop and Go. Stop and Go. Doesn't that seem like what progress is like in our life sometimes, that stop and go, we go forward and it's almost like move backward and not really making the progress as fast as we want to. But I want to propose to you today that in order to really go forward with God, there's some things that we have to stop, and we're going to discover that through this message. So uh, I want to pray and ask for God's help this morning. I pray because I know I need God's help, and I have a feeling that you need God's help. Let's be real. We know you need God's help. And uh, so would you bow your head with me, and we'll go to the Father in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that every time we open up your word, you speak. I'm asking that you would do it again, God. Use me. Let my words be your words. Let it go forth and be personal and individual to each person here. God, only you can do that. And I believe that you will. And everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I really am curious. So how many of you made some resolutions around health? Anybody? Resolutions around health, okay. Put your hand up proud, no shame in this. Yeah, I like it, that's great. Now, for those of you who didn't, are you just like, you're satisfied with how you look or are you just lazy? I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm gonna talk about pride and gluttony, slothfulness in the next week. Um, no, I did. I, I made some goals uh, around health and, you know, the truth is like, I have a weird relationship with working out. I, I do, um, I just, I'm not down on working out. Like, like, I admire the people that like to work out. Honestly, I want to be like you. Uh, I, I want to be one of those, I want to understand what it's like to willingly punish my body a hole in the effort so that I can improve the way I look and my general health. For me, emphasis on the way I look. Um, who cares about health? We're all going to die, right? So it's just... <laughs> eventually. Uh, but I, I just, I have a weird relationship with working out. And, and here's the problem. It's like, I, I believe it's good. Like I, I, I value the results. I, I want the results. I just don't like to do it. Is there anybody else who's like me? You just don't like to do it. There's a lot of liars in this church. I'm telling you. Let me see, those of you who like to work out, can you just raise your hand? Let me see where you're at. You like to work out? I do not believe you. I'm just gonna be honest. Let me take it one step further. How many of you like to run? Does anybody like to run? You, okay, keep your hands up. You like to run for fun. Like that's your idea of a good time. Is this correct? See, my idea of hell is running in place and burning. That's what I think. <laughs> that's what I think hell is because truth is, Scripture actually backs me up on that. Because in this in this verse here, where, where the writer he's saying, "And let us run with perseverance the race." Do you know what this word is in the Greek? I'll tell you, agon. 
Do you know what English word we get from the Greek word agon? Agony. I am not making that up. It's just to tell you, the Bible says runnings of the devil. So that's why it's funny that I would choose a passage of scripture that talks about running to preach on for the next four weeks because I hate running. Whenever I'm running, all I can think about is stopping. With every step, I'm thinking, when is this gonna be over? So, I mean, if you're a runner, like, hey, I admire you, I respect you, I just cannot relate to you. I don't, I don't know, I really don't know what this is like to throw off the things that hinder when I'm running a marathon, because I have never ran a marathon, never planned to run a marathon, don't really want to, have no desire to, but I do know what it's like to have a desire to stop something. And that's helpful, if, especially if you're like me, because while I can't relate to this, I think what we could say is that the writer here, he's saying there are some things that you need to stop in order to go into what God has called you to go into. There's some things you gotta throw off, some things you gotta remove, some things you gotta get rid of. There are some things in your life that you have to stop to go into what God is calling you into. And I should probably back up and give you a little context on the book of Hebrews, because Hebrews chapter 12 is one of the great chapters in scripture. I want to say it's one of the great chapters. That's not that other chapters are less great. I'm just saying that this chapter is full of practical application and theological value. It's one of those passages that every Christian needs to familiarize himself with, especially these two verses. Because within these verses is a lot of truth for our life. Now, one thing about Hebrews is we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people think it was Paul, but he signs his name on most of his letters. He didn't sign this one if it was him. Some people think for that reason it was Apollos. Apollos was also an apostle, worked a lot with Paul. They worked together. But we don't know for sure. He didn't sign his name. Some people think that it was actually a scribe. And what the book of Hebrews is is a sermon that Paul preached. So he was preaching a sermon to Jewish Christians, and there was a scribe just writing down this sermon as he preached it. That seems pretty probable, but we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we do know one thing, that he was a coffee drinker, because Hebrews. So, (laughs) it's all right. I've been getting polite laughs at this church for seven years, so that's just for the dads, just dad jokes coming your way. So, you know you're going to use that one. New Year old jokes, so. But uh, anyways, the, the writer, we don't know who he was, but he's addressing the Jewish believers here because they're facing intense pressure. Now, when I say they're facing pressure, it's not like people were being mean to them, saying mean things about them. No, when I say they're facing pressure, they were being punished. Most of them were losing their homes. And and, and the pressure was around this. Stop placing your hope in Christ. Just settle in to a comfortable life. And that's what pressure of culture will always challenge you to do. Stop placing your hope in Christ. Stop hoping that things could be different. Stop believing that change is possible. Stop moving towards what God has called you to. Stop moving towards God best. Just settle in 
to the way things are because it's never going to be different. You can never attain it. What you have is what you have. Get used to it. Culture will tell you that if you really want to be free, the way to be free is to do whatever you want to do. But the writer of Hebrews, he's looked down that road. And he says, that doesn't lead to freedom. That leads to bondage. What what you need to do, if you want to be free, there are some things that you have to remove from your life. Let's look at it again. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. Let me stop there for a minute. Because lots of times when we think about the things that are keeping us from moving forward in God, we think about our sin. And I got to stop looking at pornography. I got to stop being so selfish. I got to stop carrying around bitterness. I I, got to, you know, stop, you know, just giving in to the lusts of the flesh. Got to stop lying. Got to stop cheating. I got to stop these sins in my life. That's the thing that's tripping me up. But Hebrews tells us something different. It says, let's throw off everything that hinders. In other words, there are some things that are hindering you that aren't sin. There are some things that are tripping you up that aren't sin. They might not even be bad things. They might be good things. But if it's not moving you towards the race that's marked out for you, the path that God has planned for you, then it needs to go. I would put it this way. You know, one translation says, throw off every weight, that there's some stuff that enters into our life and it's heavy. It weighs us down and it says it happens so easily. It easily entangles. To put it in perspective, think about it this way. Like, think about the last time you had an unexpected day off. I would wager to say that the last time you had an unexpected day off, you, you didn't spend it resting. You didn't spend it reflecting. You, you didn't spend it prioritizing time with the people who you love in your life. Chances are pretty good that the last time you had an unexpected day off, you used that day to run some errands. You used that day to catch up on some chores. Maybe use that day to get ahead on work. Maybe use that day to get caught up on emails. It so easily entangles. What's the principle? It's this. It's that the things that we let in become the things that we're set in. The the things we let in our life become the things that we're set in. They weigh us down. They keep us hindered. Happens so easily. See, I would wager to say that a lot of us live very undisciplined lives. What do I mean by that? We we have this ever-expanding to-do list. And when we try to build momentum in our life, a new year, want to see some new things happen, think, okay, I want to do this, and I got to do this, and I want to do this. We try and build momentum 
by doing and doing and doing more. But that rarely works. And instead of leading a disciplined life, what we lead is a very busy, heavy life, weighed down. And we've got plenty of energy, but we're energetic in the wrong areas, putting our energies toward the wrong things. Think about it this way. This is how it happens. It happens so easily. The things we let in become the things that we're set in. We get an opportunity to do something. It's a great opportunity. Oh, this is awesome. First thing we do, we check our schedule. Well, let me see if I'm free. Let me see if I have time to do that. Hey, as long as I got time to do that, well, I'm free. Let's do it. And I know there's some really intelligent people, so you're thinking, ah, pastor, obviously, that's not the right question to ask. It's not the right question to ask, do I have the time or am I free? The right question to ask is, is this right or is it wrong? And so, okay, so you say, all right, I got this opportunity. Is this right or is it wrong? Well, it's not wrong, so it must be okay. It's okay, it must be right. And so we do it. But I want to tell you that that's not the right question to ask either. So we have these opportunities things that we let into our life, all these different things that happen so easily. And we say, okay, well, do I have the time for this? Am I free? Is this right? Is this wrong? None of those are the right questions to ask. The right question to ask is, is this wise? Is this wise? In light of blank, is this wise? What's the blank? The race that's marked out for you. The, the, the path that God has planned for you, the things that you value. In, in light of my hopes and dreams for the future, is this wise? In light of what God is calling me to do, is this wise? In, in, in light of where my marriage is at right now, is this wise? In light of the fact that I've got three kids under the age of five, is this wise? In light of the fact that I've got a teenager and they're a senior in high school and this is their last year at home with me, is this really what I should be doing, taking myself out of home or taking them out of home? Is this wise? It happens so easily. The things that, we're let in, that we let in become the things that we're set in. And that's why what the writer of Hebrews suggests is a radical alternative. It completely flips conventional wisdom on its head because culture is gonna tell you, focus on more. Hebrews says, focus on less. Culture is gonna fill your life with a lot of activities and a lot of noise and a lot of distraction. Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Singular. Culture is going to tell you, you know, don't even bother. Don't even start. You're never going to get there. It's never going to happen. You'll never attain it anyway. Hebrews says it's already started and completed in Christ. It's, it's a radically different way to view the world. And the truth is what you want to see happen in your life. And what God wants to do in your life will be hard. Anything worthwhile is always hard. And equally difficult is 
when you begin to shed and throw off the things that you've let in. It's difficult. And this is where I want to challenge you in this message. Is for these next three weeks that we're in the series, I want to challenge you to fast. To throw off the things that hinder you from moving toward what God has called you to do. A fast. Now fasting, it's not easy. Fasting is not fun. Fasting is difficult. But fasting is powerful. Fasting will take your faith to a new level. Fasting will explode your faith in your life. And if you don't know much about fasting, I'm not gonna take a long time. You can Google it. You'll get way more information on fasting than you ever thought was out there. But I wanna give you like the one minute version of what I'm talking about with fasting because fasting, you don't hear a lot about it today. Actually, just show hands. How how many of you have ever... uh, fasted for spiritual reasons before, ever heard about fasting in church? Let's see your hands. There's a number of you who have, if you've been part of the church here, because we talk about it, but a number of you who haven't, that's because you don't hear about it in church so much today, because it's not popular to ask people to sacrifice. Not popular to ask people to give something up, but it'll absolutely change your life. And what I want you to see is fasting isn't a requirement, but it's an invitation to greater intimacy with God. You see it all through scripture. Of course, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Elisha, Moses, they both fasted 40 days. Daniel fasted 21 days. Paul fasted 14, 10, 7. He said, often I was in fasting and prayer. All of the church, early church leaders would have fasted at least once a year. The authors of the New Testament would have fasted at least once a year. You, you see fasting all throughout scripture. But when I'm talking about fasting, here's what I wanna challenge you with. Is that fasting is an act of physical obedience that brings spiritual expedience. It's an act of physical obedience that brings spiritual expedience. Another way of saying it, it's a physical action that brings a spiritual advantage. How many of you could use a spiritual advantage in your life? Anybody? I know I could. There's something powerful about being obedient with your physical body that brings a spiritual result. Let me illustrate it this way. There's a passage in scripture in Exodus chapter 17 where Moses is given a command by God. Moses and the nation of Israel are fighting the Amalekites. The Amalekites were some of the bad boys of the Bible. They're in the middle of a battle and God gives this command to Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go up on the mountain, stretch up your hands in a posture toward heaven And as long as your hands are raised toward heaven, Israel is going to win the battle. So that's what Moses does. He puts his hands up, and we can read about it in Exodus 17. Joshua did what Moses ordered in order to fight Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. It turned out that whenever Moses raised his hands, Israel was winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. Because Moses' hands got tired. So... Aaron and Hur, they were pretty smart. They got a stone. They set it under him. He sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side. So his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Joshua defeated Amalek and its army in battle. Now, this is interesting to me because it illustrates this point. 
That physical obedience brings spiritual expedience. A physical action brought a spiritual advantage. See, lots of times we think in our lives that if God wants us to win the battle, well, we're just gonna win the battle. Like if God wants it to happen, it's just gonna happen. But that's not the case here. It only happened when Moses was in a physical posture of obedience to what God had called him to do. So it's so important. So important that you see that what we do physically impacts what happens spiritually. Jesus gave another illustration of this, a little bit different. But in the New Testament, he said, hey, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. A lot of application here, but what is he saying? That what you see impacts your soul. Something physical impacting something spiritual. So it's so important then that we begin to recognize that what we do physically impacts what happens spiritually. You know, that's why we raise our hands in church during worship. It's why we stretch our hands forth as an act of faith during prayer. Oh, do I really need to raise my hands? Well, physical obedience brings spiritual expedience. And what happens is, see, in the modern church, we've reduced Christianity down to just a mere set of internal affairs with no outward actions. Here's what I mean. It's like, hey, it's all based on feelings and rationalization. And so it's because I feel humble, I never have to physically get on my knees before God. Because I feel like I love the Lord, I never have to raise my hands in worship or or clap because I feel like I love the Lord. He knows my heart. Because I feel like I have faith, I never have to risk anything, just internal. And if we view scripture that way, then when we come to Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, what we do is we say, okay, throw off everything that hinders. And you know what that's really talking about? It's talking about, I gotta get rid of my insecurity. Gotta get rid of my anxiety. I've gotta get rid of that bitterness I've been carrying. And you know what? I believe, yes, you should. That would be helpful to you. That is hindering you. I believe God wants to help you with that. But what if God is waiting for a physical response before he brings a spiritual release? What does God want to release in your life? Favor, power, provision, protection, help, blessing, miracles, favor. Here's one thing I learned is that the favor of God is not the same as the love of God. Understand this. The love of God in your life is fixed. There is nothing you can do to earn the love of God. There's nothing you can do to deserve the love of God. God loves you just as much on your worst day as he does on your best day. There is nothing you can do to change God's love for you. God loves you. God's love for you is fixed, but God's favor on you is not. God's favor can increase in your life. You know how I know that? Because Jesus increased in favor. You can look it up, Luke 2.52. It says, Jesus 
increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with people. So I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say if Jesus can increase in favor with God, you can increase in favor with God. Well, how do you increase in favor with God? Through obedience. God's love for you is fixed, but his favor can be increased through obedience. That's why I'm gonna challenge you to fast because I believe there are some things God wants to release in your life that only happen when you do a physical act of obedience. So what am I asking you to do? Well, I'll tell you. What I'm asking you to do is not something of short-term intensity, but ongoing consistency. Lots of times when we fast, what we do is say, okay, I'm gonna go off of social media for 21 days, hardcore. And then 21 days is up, we binge the very next day. Cause like, man, I gotta get caught up on everything I've missed. I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna cut this thing out of my life. I cut this food out of my life. I'm not asking anybody to do a liquid diet for 21 days, but I'm asking what are the things or what's the small thing that you need to lay aside so God can do a big thing in your life? I mean, if this series is about anything, it's about the fact that God can do a lot with the little. It's about the fact that God can do more when you do less. So I'm not asking you to do something big, hard and intense for 21 days or a week or three days or whatever. I'm asking you, what is the thing that's hindering you in moving toward what God has called you to do? What is the thing that's getting in your way of walking towards God's plan for your life? I'll give you something for me. And I'm doing a number of things. I'm doing some stuff with food. I'm doing some stuff with what I put in front of my eyes. I'm doing all sorts of things. But here's one thing I'm doing. Because it happens so easily. It easily trips us up. It easily hinders us. For me, you know what's easy? Is working a lot. I know some of you think I only work three hours on a weekend. But I work all the time. And it's easy. I love what I get to do. It's life-giving for me. But what happens is, is this. This is the way it works in my life. I usually push the things I need to do to the side because I prioritize time with people. And then I'll go home after a day of work and have dinner with my family because that's important to me. I prioritize that. And as soon as dinner's done, man, I'm back at it working. Got my computer open, working on a message. I'm making notes. I'm planning something out, shooting off emails, messages, all that kind of stuff. Got this creative element working on. Got this graphic we got to get done. We got this communication piece that has to happen. We got all the business side of church, all this stuff I'm working, working, working. Put my kids to bed. Wife's getting ready for bed. I'm on my computer working. Happens so easily. It's not a bad thing, but it's a weight. Can trip me up. See, God's word for my life for this year was presence, presence. I want more of God's presence in my life. I want more of God's presence in our church. But I also wanna be more present with people. 
with my family. Not always thinking about the next project I have going on when I'm having a conversation with somebody. It's a weight. And what God really spoke to me about it is the fact that the reason I'm working all the time, the reason it's hindering me, is because I'm not trusting God to build his church. I think it's gonna happen with my effort and my ability. So I gotta get it done. So it's just a weight, a little thing. And honestly, not necessarily easy for me. I lay it aside. What is the thing that you need to lay aside? Or things? I don't know what it is, but I believe God is speaking to you about it right now. And I'm gonna ask you that today you begin to pray, seek God. God, what is the thing or the things that I need to stop so that I can go into what you've called me to do? It may not be a big thing, maybe a small thing. But I'm telling you, watch what God will do in your life when you begin to fast forward.